Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 191. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know. Another Sixers Saturday for us, and uh, just like the Oklahoma City Thunder, death, taxes, and the Sixers just can't beat the Wizards. They have not beaten the Wizards since Brett Brown's second game as head coach of this team back in 2013, and that trend continued again on Thursday as they went down to D.C. and took another loss to Washington. Yeah, and uh, that's that's kind of the story, isn't it? <laughs> um and what's not great is we play the Cavs tonight, a team we've also kind of struggled with the past few years uh, when we should be beating them. But, yeah, it's uh, not a great loss to take because this is a, a very winnable game. Switzer's team is not very good. They have a very good offense, as we saw, but a team that you should be able to beat, if we're being honest, even if you are going on the road. And it's not even like you're really on a back-to-back or anything. This has been a pretty light part of the schedule, so to speak. So... Uh, definitely a frustrating loss for the Sixers, that's for sure, but move on. Bright spot from it, Tobias Harris, a dominant offensive performance, 33 points. Uh, not sure if that's a season high or not, but it might be. Um, Joel Embiid, 26 points, 21 rebounds. Uh, ben Simmons, 17 points, 10 assists, but the bench, I think, was the big story in this one. Just absolutely you know, frigid outside of Howell Neto, who had 11 points in 12 minutes. Mike Scott, a zero. James Ennis, only two points. Matisse with five points. Trey Burke played three minutes and had zero points. But, you know, in these types of games, especially in a game where Al Horford only scores 11, Furkan's a starter and only scores eight points in 20 minutes, you need the bench to step up. And I think that's been the case in a few of these games this year where the bench has gone kind of cold when a few players in the starting lineup were hot and... They needed the bench to step up in this game in order to win, just didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be critical of the starters as well, though, uh, a lot of turnovers again, which Sixers have typically struggled with a, a high amount of turnovers, but that is also because they move the ball so much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Ben and Embiid both had, I think, 15 turnovers combined. That's, like, above average for an entire team in one game um you know the league average is somewhere around like 13 14 turnovers so it's always going to be hard and it's, again it's not like this wizards team is a defensive unit that you're worried about it's actually a pretty poor defensive team so to commit those amount of turnovers is is not great and i think in a way it kind of speaks to a little bit of the mentality of this team and that maybe not not a sense of cockiness of course but i think just um on the road this season, it's been a pretty big struggle. You know, this is the team that's 5-7 and seven on the road now. Obviously, we know about how great they are at home, 10-0, and 0, all those things. But 5-7 and seven on the road is uh, pretty unacceptable, uh, even at this stage of the season. I know it's early, but again, if, if you're going to places like Washington and still losing and, and putting up just, frankly, kind of crap efforts in terms of uh, your focus in the game, I, again, you know, in terms of scoring and, and all those things, I think, can't really complain too much but if you're turning the ball over that much I do think it is a focus issue and something that needs to constantly be addressed and reminded to this team that you know great teams don't shoot themselves in the foot like that um and it feels like especially with the Sixers we have games like this like once a month at least you know where we get these kind of frustrating losses and it's like that so easily fixable it feels like um you know again I think uh some of the mentality needs to change around the team but overall it's 
you kind of just move on. Uh, you have the Cavs tonight. Embiid's already ruled out for it, which isn't fantastic. But, you know, you kind of have to just keep pushing through the season. You can't really dwell on losses too much. Um, and I, I don't think anyone really has either. I think the, the it kind of came and went. And I was like, all right, whatever. You know, no one's... I Strangely enough, no one's really, like, throwing bricks out the window about this one. Um, I'm not really sure why either. But, yeah, it... It, it's, I guess just because no one really performed poorly offensively that everyone's kind of like throws their hands up like whatever. But I think it was because Tobias had a good game. There was no scapegoat. Ben yeah. had a, a quality game in terms of offense. So there was nobody to really scapegoat and nobody's ever going to slander Mike Scott. But what are your kind of thoughts right now as he's going through this cold streak where he's arguably like kind of like the 1-1-A guy off the bench for us. This cold streak has got to come to an end soon, I'd assume. Yeah, but this is the issue with our bench and kind of relying a little bit on role players um, is that sometimes you can live and die with them. And I think Mike Scott's had a pretty overall good season. Um, obviously, yeah, he's had a, a few. But th- this is this is the problem with like your non-great players is that they're they're not going to have the uh, the fantastic kind of consistent performances that we're used to seeing, you know. And that's just kind of how you have to live with it. And it's been the same sort of guys like James Ennis as well, uh, Matisse to a lesser extent because he's also a rookie. So of course you can't expect him every night to bring you know a, an overall great performance, especially shooting wise and things like that. But yeah, it's that's going to be the issue is that you know coming into the season we knew the bench was better than what it was but that was mostly because it was such a low bar it wasn't really like we'd massively improve the bench it's still a pretty decent bench but um this if this team isn't super active at the waiver wire like that's that's a concern yeah um another game tonight like we said against the Cavs where they won't have the full starting five and that has kind of been one of the storylines of this team is you know you built this big time bully ball defensive starting five and they can barely stay on the floor together you know through an entire course of a a three-game stretch even here how do you want to see this team attack the Cavs especially knowing Embiid's out with a you know the hip injury don't know if it's an actual thing or just they're listing it as that um so he gets the rest tonight but how do you want this team to attack a Cavs team that is bad and, you know, somehow the Cavs have played us close in two games? The Cavs just fired their coach as well, so you never know what kind of uh, immediate turnover there might be in terms of a better performance on the horizon, so you have to kind of be mindful of that with, with the Cavs. I think the the Cavaliers, without Embiid, you, you can kind of play them off the court in the sense that we have still unbelievable size without him. Um, I wonder who, if we give Matisse the look, if Furkan gets a look. Furk's been pretty pretty bad. I feel like no one's talked about how bad Korkmaz has been uh, since, like, the first two weeks of the season. Um, so I, I think, for me, it's, it's probably going to be... Uh, I, I would almost start Matisse tonight. Just I think he's kind of the future of this team in, in terms of, you know, if you're talking, like, your 7 through 9 position, um, he's going to be a guy that's going to lock down that spot. And I would I would prefer to see him just bring that stingy defense. And he's had a pretty decent shooting uh, year so far. Is it's not high volume, but shooting close to forty percent from three. And I, I'd like to see that continue. And you know, Cleveland is not a very good team. Um, what's interesting is Darius Garland. I, I think still is an attempted a three. Um, so it's kind of a matchup of hard. Uh, yeah. And, well, it's interesting. No one's really mentioned it. And of course, it's you know early in his career as well, but. It is, it is kind of uh, funny to see two guards um, that kind of refuse to really uh, attempt. And we haven't seen Ben attempt a three uh, since since his one against the Knicks, which is a little strange. But, yeah, I, I, I think you, you go into the night and, and just look to play this team offensively off the floor because I you, you're obviously not going to be able to dominate in the way that you can with them and beat on the floor. But I still think this is a, a team that's head and shoulders talent-wise above the Cavs. This is a game where I want to just see them get out to an early lead where it's comfortable. They can play a lot of the guys off the bench and really give, you know, a majority of the guys that you're going to need tomorrow against the Raptors that much needed rest. So you are like as much as possible, all hands on deck against the Raptors for what is a bigger game in my opinion. Yeah. And I think too, you're, this is 
one of the reasons that you uh, you sign Horford in the summer is that you can you know, kind of rest Embiid when you need to and uh, shuffle him to to the five and. Um, I, I would almost even like to see maybe Tobias play a little bit of the four as well. Um, you know, I, I know we're also struggling with Richardson's health, which is, you know, he's been kind of, you know, playing one game out for the next two type of deal for the past few weeks. And uh, I, I'd like to hopefully get him back healthy. But yeah, I think I think the Sixers are still in, in a good spot. And obviously, you know, you take care of the Cavs tonight and you look forward to what is a pretty tough stretch admittedly coming up. But um, yeah, it, the ideal scenario is, of course, blowing the doors off the Cavs and, and getting to rest a lot of guys and keep everyone fresh for not only the Raptors, but then you've got the Nuggets coming up. You've got a pretty pretty difficult stretch. So uh, the the first order of business, though, is taking care of Cleveland. And I think you have to take care of the ball. I, and I will say the Sixers have always rebounded well from sort of uh bad losses um doesn't feel like a team that strings too many like non you know they've they've lost you know two three games in a row already this year but it doesn't feel like a team that's typically drops like you know if they, if they lost to the Wizards and the Cavs two in a row that'd be embarrassing um doesn't feel like a team that's really done that all that much so hopefully we kind of return back to that tonight and one thing I'm looking forward to tomorrow is just kind of how Brett plans is because we don't know if Embiid's going to play tomorrow. Hopefully he will. Um, but one thing that was not, you know, involved in the first Raptors matchup is Serge Ibaka. And he should be back Sunday for this game. And if you kind of look around the NBA, the closest thing I think you have to a big man like Embiid and a big man like Horford is Gasol and Ibaka. Just that physicality and kind of switchability that Ibaka can play the five. Um, so I'm intrigued by how that matchup's going to kind of play out. I, th- I actually thought we played Ibaka pretty well last year in the playoffs. Um, Gasol is the one that's typically given Embiid most of his struggles, whereas Ibaka, I think, got got a little worked uh, last playoffs, uh, by the Sixers at least. But, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting fold to this. And, you know, the frustrating thing about the Sixers is, like, we keep not seeing this like great starting five together. And I, I know we keep saying it, but that's because it keeps coming true where every week it feels like, okay, you know, you get like one game and then, you know, for the next three or four, uh, someone's either being, you know, rotated and just rested or someone's actually out injured. Like you have with Richardson right now, kind of working through this, this hip issue. Um, yeah, that's that's the frustrating thing for the Sixers, and it's for a lot of teams in the NBA right now, though, that are struggling with kind of this new era of load management and having to kind of pick and choose games almost to um, to kind of just go all in on and and hope that you can you know either your your bench guys can kind of pull through for you or that you know we're resting with the intention of beating the Raptors tomorrow. Um, and I think it's it's a it's a strange balance that a lot of teams are struggling with, to be honest. And as we scroll the Twitter timeline here, it looks like Ben Simmons has a Frosted Flakes sponsorship now. Frosted Flakes are pretty damn good. <laughs> Frosted Flakes are in the, the top five for me, cereal-wise. Frosted Flakes wants to sponsor our show. We are If Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran is the <laughs> ultimate cereal, in my opinion. Raisin Bran with chocolate milk. I'm telling you, there's nothing that beats it. Um, You know... Are you concerned with Josh Richardson's injury? Because it has been kind of that lingering type thing where he is out, comes back for a couple games, looks great, and then is out for another you know extended period of time. How concerned, you know, scale one to ten, are you with Josh Richardson's injury? Um, like a three. It's it's not really anything that seems like super serious, especially if he's able to play games. Um, you know, then it's like a pretty quote unquote non serious issue. Um, I think the things with muscle injuries is that, you know, one day you feel great and the next day you can feel pretty bad. Um, and especially when you go through playing a game, you know, that might kind of uh, flare up any kind of issues that you've been struggling with. So, and I actually think it's it's better that the Sixers be patient with it because, you know, speaking of the future, Josh Richardson is likely to be a part of that. Um, and whether or not that's as a Sixer going forward or as a trade piece going forward because he kind of has, he's on a very sweet contract now, but this is someone that I, are we going to go deep in the luxury tax to kind of re-sign Josh Richardson or blow it up in a year and a half? Who knows, right? It's it's very nebulous still, kind of the future of this team. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think they're going to take the patient approach with this and if he's feeling any kind of tightness, any kind of soreness, I think they're just going to err on the side of caution with him and rest him um, and, and, 
he is, I think, a pivotal piece to the puzzle for this season as well in that he's going to be kind of the leading man offensively at times, and he's someone that you're going to depend on to space the floor a bit and be a pretty lethal shooter and provide good defense. So uh, I'm not super worried. Again, I'm more frustrated than anything just because I want to see him playing. I want to see everyone healthy. Um, but to me, it's not a, it's not anything I'm worried about yet. And it's only been the last like three weeks that we've kind of dealt with this, uh, this like hip injury, um, which again, isn't like a gross amount of time. I think that's pretty normal if, you know, you strain like a hip flexor or something like, you know, he's just kind of working through and, and trying to rehab it. So yeah, if we're coming into now, you know, 2020 and we're still kind of dealing with, with this, this hip injury, then yeah, you know, maybe that concern gets bumped up a bit, but right now I'm not really too bothered uh, just yet about it. How do we feel about this back-to-back? Is it a, is it a sweep? I, I feel like they have an opportunity right here to win both of these games. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at that last Raptors game, and it was the worst game of Embiid's career, and, you know, it was, that was a pretty close affair, losing only by five. And, um, yeah, I think a sweep's on the cards. And, you know, I, I think for me, I, you know, especially both games being at home as well, like that's – that's a pretty big boost to the Sixers. We just talked about how they're 10-0 and at home and uh, seem to be much more comfortable there and a much, frankly, better team. So hopefully you take care of business. A sweep would be great, I think, as well. Just one, you know, kind of gets you right back on track, especially if you beat the Cavs tonight. And two, I think, again, we've, we've talked about the top of the East is still pretty tight, and it's only separated by two or three games. So especially if you're able to get wins against not only a, a conference kind of rival but a, a divisional rival as well in, in the Raptors kind of forget um, that's big for kind of the end of the season and, and just kind of moving your seating around and yeah it would feel nice to kind of get a win over the Raptors I, I would feel personally pretty happy about that I think it would lift a lot of you know that that negative aura for the Sixers just like it did last season when they finally beat the Celtics in the regular season. It was one of those things where they just needed to get over that hump. And I think since the playoffs, you know, it's kind of been that lingering thing with the Raptors and this team where it's just kind of held over their heads uh, whenever they play them. So if they're able to do it and take advantage of this obvious home court advantage that they have, I think Brett has uh, gotten in on the bullying a little bit and instilled the fear of God into their eyes and hearts uh, that you can't lose at home. But, um, you know, take advantage of the time that you're at home and, and win those games. And I think that's the important thing here. And I also think Embiid's resting in this game because Tuesday night's game did get flexed to national TV. And we all know how good old Dave Silver loves the uh, the stars on national TV. But well, so we also know how much the Sixers love throwing Embiid into national, Embiid. national games despite any injury concerns that he may have. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... It's it's interesting just how different this team is at home, and I know Ben had a pretty funny comment uh, last time out about yeah we, we don't want to lose because we're afraid of <laughs> what's going to happen if we lose at home all the booing and stuff. So um, hopefully that continues, and yeah, just the only worrying thing right now for me is is the road performances have been pretty bad, and uh, just to have that kind of disparity is not something I'm super comfortable with. And, you know, you talk about the Raptors series as well, like that came down to home court advantage. You know, it was kind of just both teams flexing their their home court advantage on each other. And um, you don't really want to have, because I, I don't think this team is going to be the number one seed. They're not going to have that advantage all throughout the playoffs. And I think even right now, the two to three seed is, it's going to be difficult. I think it's much more difficult than maybe we thought coming into the year where we kind of hoped that the Sixers would be maybe, right behind the Bucks and kind of leading the pack and it's still early and you know anything can happen in the course of the season Sixers can obviously improve but um you know even even having you know guaranteed home court to the conference finals potentially is looking potentially difficult to get again it's separated by thin margins at this point of the season it's only December but yeah you know you, you do need to start focusing on on what's going wrong away from home um and I, I don't know what you do. And obviously, I think even some of the more difficult games of the season have already come on the road this year, um, which probably doesn't help that balance exactly. But, you know, you had that kind of more difficult West Coast trip uh, earlier in the season, which, you know, produced like half of this team's losses already. So I, I, I get that part. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see, especially, you know, you do have some more difficult games coming up at home now. So you're kind of getting a little bit of that reverse almost. But 
uh, we'll see. And, you know, the first road game they get after this nice little home stretch is Boston. Yeah. So another important game here in this kind of, uh, as we donned on Wednesday, test of this uh, that they have because it is all tough opponents. Now, I want to get your thoughts, too, on these absolutely absurd trade takes that have been shuffling out on the old Twitter machine. Uh, please stop them because they're absolutely laughable. Uh, I saw... One, that the Sixers have interest in Jordan Clarkson. And then I also saw uh, somebody formulate a three-team trade to kind of dwindle our depth that is already kind of, you know, up in the air to bring back J.J. Redick. Yeah, I saw the the J.J. Redick one. Um, Yeah, I think think you need to, like... You know how (laughs) they were talking, like, a lot about, like, how with, like, racist Twitter accounts and stuff that you need to have, like, a a driver's license or, like, photo ID to, like, sign up for social media accounts. I think we actually need to do that. Because some of these people need to be imprisoned. It's (laughs) ridiculous. It is deranged criminal thinking that needs to be removed from our society. If some of these people are verified, we should be verified. Yeah. We we need the the people to understand what the real, you know, logistical type of, of analysis you can get is versus this absolute garbage that's being spewed. Yeah, I don't see the Sixers trading at all this year, really. Um, mostly because they don't really have much to trade, <laughs> and they've kind of gone all in the less roster. And uh, I, I think the only additions, acquisitions Sixers will be making is is at the the waiver deadline in in February. So, yeah, for me, trades are non relevant, especially with the cap situation the Sixers yeah. are facing now and going forward. Uh, good luck. Absolutely stupid. Uh, we have to talk about them because there is a chance that they'll win, and that's your Philadelphia Eagles. Eli Manning will be the starter. It is confirmed. Daniel Jones has been ruled out just this morning, so Eli Manning gets one final crack at the Eagles in his career. Somehow, some way, I feel great about this game. Eli Manning is 116-116 and in his career. The Eagles have the opportunity to drop him to a below 500 quarterback for what could be the last game of his career. We don't know, Daniel Jones, how quickly he'll be back or if he's maybe even just shut down for the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, like that'd be pretty That'd be pretty cool to do. Um, I, I think the Giants as well, though, are getting all their wide receivers back healthy Golden now. Tate's back, Evan Ingram's back at yeah. tight end. Uh, My fantasy team is very happy about <laughs> Evan Ingram finally be back. Sterling Shepard looks like he's going to play. Yeah. The real interesting thing is going to be, though, is how much chemistry that these guys will have with Eli since he has been out of the starting lineup and really hasn't played with Golden Tate that much because to start the season he was suspended for four games. You have a guy like Darius Slayton who has – you know, gone through the roof with Daniel Jones. He was injured during training camp and has not played with Eli at all. So it's going to be interesting to me to see how Eli kind of connects with these weapons that are coming back for the Giants. Uh, yeah, and that's a fair point. But also, uh, after just getting burnt by Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, <laughs> if he can do it, the the husk of Eli Manning absolutely can, and, and especially in a season where. It feels like everything has gone wrong for the Eagles. Like this is a little bit of the the season from hell in terms of injuries and just uh, bad losses. So I, uh, you know, your confidence meter has to be a little high just because of how bad the Giants have been this year and uh, toothless at times. But I don't think you can count anyone out when they're playing the Eagles. Just be, especially when you start talking divisional games, it's wonky stuff always happens. They, like, but. The Giants have, in the past few years, been the only team that the Eagles have kind of regularly like smacked down, especially within the division. Um, you know, they like remember last year it was like they had that really awesome offensive performance, and everyone was like, "Oh, Eagles are back!" And it was like next week now. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. you know, a little bit more of the same though. This year would be nice, just give you that little boost. And obviously, again, Cowboys helping the Eagles out by here it is. We got you. <laughs> seriously just offering up the division. Um, it's still somehow in the Eagles' hands to win this, and I mean, you kind of you have to put faith in at least hopefully being able to do that like going going out when your season is still on the line and, and beating the Giants like if you had said at the beginning of the year like not that the season specifically comes down to just this game but you know if, if you're in December and you just have to beat the Giants to quote-unquote push yourself into the playoffs 
I think most people would have taken that bet. Um, now, of course, you still have more work to beyond that. You really have to beat the Cowboys, but um, yeah, every game is a playoff game at this point, and I think you have to trust the Eagles team to beat the Giants, but we also trusted them to beat the Dolphins. And yeah. But the thing about the Dolphins is, and I think that comparison be made, Dolphins are playing so loose that they just don't care, and like just... Balls to the wall, gambling every time they can. Brian Flores just throwing it down, all in every single play call, going going for fourth and thirty-one on their own two. Like they just, they're they're fully committed to just doing the absolute chaos, right? And running trick plays and sort of being very experimental at times. The Giants are not like that. The the, the Giants are not a team like that. They don't have, especially again, if you're going to have Eli Manning in there, it's not even like where Daniel Jones is kind of. A little bit you don't have a ton of film on him just yet um you know we've seen him like extend plays with his feet Eli Manning like has in the few games that he played this year looked so rigid <laughs> and so unwilling to run that um you know it's not quite the situation yet with the Dolphins where it, it felt kind of like everyone was a little bit of a threat um so yeah, they're a little bit less dynamic uh, of a team than the Dolphins are, but they certainly have more talent. I mean, wide receivers all back healthy. You still have Saquon Barkley, who's you know a top five running back in this league. Like you can't underestimate at least the talent that they have. But the coaching is not great, and um, again, the execution isn't quite as ballsy uh, as the Dolphins was, which I think is part of the reason it all went all so wrong in South Florida last week. Here's my question for you. I asked uh, Bobby Skinner from Talking Giants, who came on Eagles Enemies this week, that is up in your podcast feeds now from John Boy Media. Uh, what's the over-under in your book that the Monday Night Football crew references that Miles Sanders backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn State? Ooh. Uh, I would go over-under four and a half. You know, I think I think yeah. it'll definitely be mentioned at the beginning. Like you know, they do like the, they're going to do a little sit down, the offensive lineup thing. You know, it's like it's not quite Sunday Night Football where they're like Miles Sanders, Penn State, you know that kind of thing. But they'll definitely they'll definitely mention it on probably the first drive. And then if one of them kind of has a game where if it's like a back and forth, like Miles Sanders has a good night, Saquon has a good night, it's like oh, competing just like they do to Penn Let's State. It was, you'll see some <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, I haven't watched much Monday Night Football this year just because, eh. <laughs> um, it's Monday night. Yeah, it's. I'm usually honestly asleep the after the. Great. I'm usually asleep after the first quarter, so it's kind of a, a, a not very fruitful for me. Yeah, uh, injury report on Friday. Obviously, things get kind of pushed back because it is a Monday night game. Uh, but Friday's injury report: Nelson Aguilar, Derek Barnett, and Kamu Grugier Hill did not participate. Aguilar with the knee. Barnett with his ankle, and Camus has a concussion. Jordan Howard with the shoulder injury was limited. I don't expect him to play, though. Uh, and then it was also announced that Lane Johnson missed practice for a personal issue, and it came out this morning uh, as Lane just tweeted it from his account. His grandma passed away, so our condolences to Lane Johnson. Um, we know how close he was with his grandma and talking about how he'd whoop her ass if she rooted for the Cowboys uh, against the Eagles, but... Uh, we send our, our best to Lane and his family uh, on the loss of his grandmother. But I, I think the Eagles, this interesting scenario also just came up from a friend of the show, Kiana at Real Mama Eagle. I came into this week thinking that we had to win out. If we beat the Giants, Washington, and Dallas, and Dallas loses to the Rams, Week 17 is irrelevant per the playoff simulator. Philly could win the East at 8-8 eight and eight and rest their starters Week 17 in that scenario. It is absolutely stupid how many scenarios there are for this NFC East to play out. Yeah, and um, that is a very optimistic look at this thing because if you expect this to just go as like smoothly as possible for the Eagles, it's not going to happen. That is, and honestly, I don't know what good resting the starters would even be because it's it's... The issue with the Eagles isn't I'm obviously again like then you wouldn't have the risk of injury of course I understand that aspect but it's not as if like people are kind of like banged up going into this at least that we know about like the issue has been injuries that players have been shut down for like multiple weeks it's not like it's not like Deshaun Jackson has like been playing through like turf toe or something it's like oh that extra week might help him it's like no like that I don't know how much a, an extra week of rest would really help this team um so yeah, but I mean it. It is curious and funny just how uh, what a dumpster fire. Honestly, this division has been this year. Um, it might actually be 
a record for out of the division record like standings um i forget i think nfc east to non-divisional opponents right now is like 11 and 27 or something um so yeah that that could get much worse (laughs) as the season goes on yeah because the eagles literally get this chunk of, of matchups against the division all in a row this late it's very rare that it takes this long for the eagles to play the giants for the first time yeah it is strange i don't know why the schedule even ended up like this this year like um to even have four straight weeks of divisional games is kind of uncommon but yeah to not even touch one of your divisional opponents till december is strange very strange and it's not even i mean giants and eagles are that's like two of the biggest markets you could hope for it's not even like a i don't know like a a Dolphins Bills matchup where it's like, eh, like don't really need to get this out of the way. Like you'd feel like this is a matchup that they'd want to have, you know, kind of spread throughout the season. I don't know. It's obviously neither team has been great this year, but it is strange to not see your first look at them till December. But plus the Eagles haven't had a win in over a month. Now that I was looking back at it, you know, I was thinking, I was like, wow, last time they won a game was against the bears. That was November 3rd. Sit here and record this on December 6th. It has been over a month since your Philadelphia Eagles have actually won a game, and uh, I'm tired of losing. So go out there, take advantage of a bad opponent, and uh, start running the table because it's right there for the taking because clearly Dallas doesn't want to win the division. Yeah, and that's that's the thing too is the Eagles have been handed time and time again now opportunities to, to go and, and reclaim this division. And I think you'll really be kicked kicking yourselves if you're Eagles fans or even the Eagles players and staff all that, if you if you don't make the playoffs this year just because of how many times you've had the chance to kind of take this division by the horns and it, that, that Dolphins loss is, is certainly going to come back to haunt you that Lions loss like there's so many of them this Falcons. year Falcons so many losses this year that kind of just fell through the hands of the Eagles and quite literally at times, honestly. Um, so yeah, I think if, if you're not making the playoffs this year, I think that's, it's honestly embarrassing just because of, of how, how open it has been for you. If you can, if there's a theoretical way that you can make the playoffs at eight and eight and still be able to arrest players in your final week, like that is, and, and you, you can't capitalize on that. Then I, I don't know what to tell you. And it's, uh, <laughs> It's sad for the Eagles right now, but maybe you know what? Maybe maybe they push through. And you've seen weirder things, um, especially in football. Like I feel like once you get to the playoffs, like you get the right matchups, or you just have like your good Saw day. It last year, that's that's A what double you need. Doink went our exactly. way. Um, so hopefully the Eagles can win. At least we get to enjoy a Sunday of everybody else playing, and then not have to worry about them going into Monday and just carries over into Tuesday. But uh, Eagles Giants Monday Night Football should be an easy win but we saw what happened last week let's move on to the exciting news matt the phillies surprisingly are very exciting right now granted it's just noise but i like fun noise and our good friend bob nightingale tweeted out uh just yesterday the phillies luxury tax be damned are going all in and plan to pursue free agent third baseman anthony rendon yeah, they better be. <laughs> there better not be uh, concerns or questions over the luxury tax after the comments we made last year. And, um, you know, that if we are to be competitive, we're going to have to pay luxury tax, just being honest. So I would love Anthony Rendon on this team. Um, and I, I think it's honestly a pretty distinct possibility. Uh, I, I think, I really do think that the Nationals will probably lose one of Rendon and Strasburg, maybe even both. I, I think they absolutely keep at least one, though, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this would be big, and third base is obviously a position that uh, is open right now, really. Uh, and, yeah, I think letting go of Michael Franco might be a slight indicator that this could be a little more uh, serious than, than maybe previously thought. I think this would be great. I, I think it's great to hear, too, that, Phillies aren't focused necessarily on staying out of the luxury tax because I feel like we've gotten a mixed message this year on um, this offseason at least on how willing they actually are to go deep into that you know we've heard at times that they're operating with the assumption that they have to be under the luxury tax this season which still affords them some space but um, knowing that they're at least willing to to pay big this offseason and and pay that pay that extra bill 
is big to me. And uh, that is a sign of intent with this team that is hopeful, at least. Um, B, I mean, it's if we do get Rendon, unfortunately, it's not great for my Alec Bohm brand. But you know what? Like, uh, if if it's between Alec Bohm and winning a World Series next year, I'm sorry, Alec, but <laughs> I'm I'm choosing I'm choosing silverware, unfortunately. But it's uh it's great to be kind of mentioned in in these types of talks uh, again it was exciting last year with Bryce and Manny um and now to potentially be kind of in on another big big guy would be very very exciting but I wonder if we sign another Nationals player what does that mean does someone else from the division win the World Series next year <laughs> well, we the Braves Wheeler, do it I guess so. uh, yeah uh yeah god if it's a Mets World Series oh no it's not they only make the playoffs uh, every 15 years so very true uh the interesting thing, though, is this Bob Nightingale article comes out just after Matt Gelb from The Athletic put an article out after the Philly signed Zach Wheeler uh, that they were still kind of operating under the luxury tax. Like They did not want to go over. And if they do that, they are truly handcuffing themselves from being back to where they want to be. You know, you can't go out and get another starter, another infielder, bullpen help, if you're going to operate under the luxury tax, because right now under the tax, you only have $16 million left to spend because of the contract you gave Zach Wheeler. You have to go over the tax. And like we, we've said, you can reset it after this year because you've got so many guys with big money contracts coming off the books. And Bob Nightingale goes on to say that uh, Josh Donaldson is a potential fallback plan for the Phillies, which I would assume would be, on a one-year deal just because of Josh Donaldson's age. Sure, would I rather have Rendon? Absolutely. I think he's a far better player than Josh Donaldson right now. So it's interesting to be in on those talks. And then John Heyman followed up the Rendon talk saying that the Phillies are also in on Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole. Yeah, this is... It's weird, too, though, because I feel like um, kind of more nationally, Garrett Cole has been, like, heavy, heavy linked with the Yankees, which not particularly shocking um so to still kind of be mentioned and Bob Nightingale is someone that was clued in I think he might have been one of the first people to kind of really get the the gears turning on Bryce Harper last year um and he is someone that definitely has some links with certain agents <laughs> in uh in baseball I am uh I'm intrigued by that but I just I don't know how much I buy it it's like I, I specifically can't see i know the nationals have been stingy in years past i can't see them post world series letting both rendon and strasburg walk and not just walk go to philadelphia especially after you just lost bryce last offseason to, to the phillies i i just i don't really see that happening in my opinion but to still be linked with them at least i guess is is a positive but i just um I still feel like Garrett Cole is is kind of uh, we're on the outside looking in on that. That doesn't mean we have no shot, but I think um, you know it's like a less than like fifteen percent chance for me if that that happens. But obviously, it'd be great. I would be uh, ecstatic if if we land all of those names. I you even texted me. I said you know we're kind of operating like the Yankees. This Forget is get about the tax <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and that has to be the the motive. That you, like you can't talk like you did last off season and then have the year that we did. And not come back this offseason and just say, screw it. Like, we're going in on, on what we have right now. Um, and you can still even make trades. Like, it's not even like we don't have that. Like, Gene Segura apparently, like, is open to being traded as well, which is important considering his, his clauses. Um, again, I, I would hate to lose Alec Boom, but, you know, like, that's you, that's one of your, like, only kind of big assets that you have to move on, on your farm system. That's It's going to be interesting for the Phillies this offseason for sure. Yeah, and... Uh... Tom Verducci from MLB Network, you know, he was on uh, on their network yesterday and said, once you sign Bryce Harper, this isn't an opportunity for you to kind of extend, you know, one, two, three, four more years. of re You're all in now. Like, you are in win-now mode. You went and got your guy. You went and got JT Real Muto. You are in win-now mode, and there's no more holding off. Like, you have to go for it because of how you've kind of operated your rebuild and how you operated last offseason. Yeah, this is, this you're not in a position where you can just be like, oh, you know, we'll kind of refocus this year. No, yeah, and um, I think they learned that lesson this past year too where they kind of 
took the approach of instead of addressing and spending on the pitching situation last offseason, they're like, well, you know, we have some young guys we feel like can develop this year and take steps. We hired a new coach. We have this kind of approach that we're, we're looking at. And that whole aspect of the team and of the club was really one of a club still in development, not in a uh, competitive sense, not in a uh, we're, you know, attempting to win a World Series this year. I don't think you go into a potential World Series year with Pavetta still like being touted as Vince Velasquez still like being touted as like your two to three, four like guys, you know, and like, oh, well, we still have a lot of hope in these guys. Like you don't have this is going to sound dark. You don't have hope when you're a World Series contender. You have known quality. Right. And we went into a season with only one known quantity and quality in Aaron Nola. We knew Arietta was going to be okay-ish. You know, we kind of know what we have with him, but everyone else was a, kind of a big question mark. And I don't want to see us make the same mistake again this year. Um, and I, I think that the way to solve that is spend the money, honestly. It's not that hard. Like, just go and get guys that are going to make this team better and improve this ball club so you can get to the World Series. John Middleton talked about how you don't just go out and sign players to go after that second wild card. If you're going to stick by that, Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, and or Anthony Rendon are those Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay type players that you brought up that push you to go win a World Series. Yeah, Zach Wheeler is the guy that you sign to just get to the second wild card, right? Like, that's, that is one of the... That the, can't be your number yeah. one move. Yeah. And the winter meetings haven't even started yet, but they are going to be very interesting. Tons of trades have been happening already uh, that nobody has seen coming. Blake Snell was on Twitch when he found out Tommy Pham got traded. and It was one of the funniest reactions ever. Um, so I think more trades are kind of on the horizon. There's a lot of chatter around the Phillies and Pirates being potential trade partners when it comes to guys like Jamison Tyone, who I would absolutely love on this team, Kyle Crick, a reliever, and Starling Marte as a guy that's kind of being touted around the league as like, he's available, come get him. If you want to go get Starling Marte to play center field for you, please do. He steals bases, he hits the ball well, go get him. I would love him in center field and have Adam Hazley as kind of your fourth outfielder with him. He's friends with Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon is uh, very happy that Josh Harrison is with the Phillies now. So make one of your veteran guys that you brought in last year even more happier. Bring in one of his uh, you know, former teammates and make it happen. And the Pirates need catching help. Phillies have four you know, quality prospect catchers. Plus, give them can Andrew we, Knapp. Can we interest you in one, Andrew Knapp? <laughs> <laughs> and, and make it happen. Go get one or two of those guys that the Pirates are kind of just like dangling in front of you via trade that are young, controllable, and and improve this ball club. So the winter meetings are something I'm very excited for. It's happening in San Diego next week. So that's definitely going to be kind of the thing that gets the ball rolling even more than we already have had, which it's crazy to think about all the signings that have already happened uh, because last year we were nowhere close to how many free agents have already signed than we are right now. Yeah, it, last, year, last year I think was a little different too in that strangely enough it felt like it was like us the yankees the nationals and like both chicago teams rumored at least and like the padres that were like and padres was a surprise team uh that were kind of in on like signing guys uh cardinals obviously made like a big trade for goldschmidt but like it was a weird offseason where you had two really good players out like positional players on the market patrick corbin a, a pretty highly coveted pitcher um, and no one really cared. <laughs> and this year it feels much different, where, uh, especially since it's some bigger market teams obviously going in on them, it's like they're obviously going to get a little more coverage than the White Sox would. But um, yeah, it feels like this year there's a little more urgency around the league, and especially from the Phillies' perspective, last year probably felt a little more like, okay, you know, we're kind of the up and coming team. We're kind of just looking to get our nose in this, whereas now it's like, okay, we've committed a lot of money and we have to get results now. Uh, especially since Klentek, I'm assuming, has probably been told, if this isn't turned around, you're next. Um, you know, after they after they lose Kapler, who, by the way, had some spicy things to say spicy, about Nick Williams. yes. I was just going to bring that up. You know, he, he pretty much said Nick Williams, not a good baseball player. I mean, we know that, but it we also, uh, again, just knowing that Nick Williams has been very public about how, like, kind of, frankly, depressed he was this year and that he had a really difficult time. Um seems kind of 
I don't know. It's interesting, too, because Gabe was never that transparent here. No. He was always the Mr. Feelgood guy, like, oh, you know, my iPad tells me. Um, yeah, it, it feels, uh, I don't know. It, it leaves a bad taste, honestly, because Gabe, like, I don't really have any negative feelings towards um, this. Like, I hope he doesn't become the guy that's like, oh, you know, I was done wrong in Philly. Like, all these guys didn't want to listen to it. Like, I hope he doesn't, it doesn't turn, like, sour. Um, not that this was, like, a totally disparaging comment, because, again, he's not saying anything we don't know, but... It's an accurate statement. But there's just no reason either. Yeah. Like, it's just, you're, like, I, you're done here. Like, there's no need to kind of bring up, like, I don't even want people asking him questions about the Phillies just because I don't want to think about Gabe with this team anymore. Like, have fun in San Francisco. Yeah, like, whatever. I I don't know. Fun stuff, though. Speaking of Nick Williams, minor leagues, uh, our friends, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, announced one thing that they're doing next season. Uh, all their Friday games in 2020, they are setting the gold standard and will wear gold uniforms all season long on Fridays. Uniforms look really cool. Um, you know, it's it's to honor the best fans in the minor leagues. And uh, the Iron Pigs just continue to do really awesome promotional stuff and, and engage with the fans and uh, you know, it, it's really cool just to see how much time and effort they give in to promoting themselves along with giving back to the fans. Yes, it's it's one of the, the more fun aspects of like lower league baseball is uh, is this kind of stuff. Very very cool. I kind I do wish baseball like at the major league level would do a little more of this kind of stuff. Phillies I think have pretty decent promotional nights. They have some cool cool things going on, but. Yeah, honestly, like, uh, you have 81 home games in a season, like, make home games more fun, <laughs> like, honestly, you have so many of them, you could, I think you could always be doing more to kind of promote fan engagement, uh, especially since the Phillies have a very, like, newly built park, um, you know, last year they obviously made, like, the big addition with, like, Pass and Stowe and stuff, adding, like, Shake Shack, you know, like, those kinds of, like, spots now to hang and, like, enjoy the game in a different way is cool, but, like, I do feel like you could be doing even more like I, I don't know why there isn't a promo night every night just to be totally honest like you have the I don't money know why dollar dog night doesn't go all season yeah That's like one every month you would think like it used you, to be you would think dollar dog night would be something you want to continue like i i get it's like a big driving force to get people in in a time of the year where typically the games are a little more sparsely attended you know like april may is always a little difficult because school still like the weather's not like amazing like it'd be really cold but yeah like you would think that you'd want in july to really like pack the house and like have like dollar dog nights like i don't i don't get that exactly have a bobblehead night you know at least twice a month why yeah why is there like i don't get it like you could like even like towels and stuff like make it not just for kids too yeah like it's bring everybody you want to have a full-blown target audience with this team and a lot of their promotional things they do are for kids 14 and under. Or you have to have, like, a the promotional ticket, right? right? Like, just to start handing stuff out of the gate, man. Like, it's not... Bring people in. Yeah, like, They it's will not... come. Um, Flyers, though, they, uh, you know, speaking of people not coming right now, they had that season low in attendance, which we kind of attributed it to. We're just waiting to see if it's consistent. But they ended up losing to the Coyotes the other night. Uh, a game that they could have won, but I think it was kind of just one of those come-back-down-to-earth games after they absolutely demolished the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, we'll see what they do against the Senators today, though, as they uh, get set in just about 10 minutes. Um, you know, people were, were were pissed off about that game, but I think it's fine. You know, it's, it's going to happen. You can't win all of them. And it was one of those games where you put all your offense into one game, you're bound to have one of those off nights. Variance happens. It's strange. We haven't seen the Flyers and Sixers losing the same night. Uh, I don't think at all this season because they both been pretty damn good, which is interesting. Um, yeah, another another loss in the uh, the home column though. They're they're ruining they're ruining the aesthetic uh. that we've been building here. You can't can't be doing this. You only can lose on the road. That is that is the deal for the season on. But yeah, uh, big one against the Senators tonight. Uh, that should be a penalty. Okay. All right, refs. Uh, but yeah, go beat the Senators. Like they're not a good team. Take just like the Cavs, not a good team. Sixers and Flyers should both win today. Like it, it's not that hard to uh, you know take advantage of a team that is twelve, sixteen, and one. You are sixteen, eight, and five. Science says you should win. That's a <laughs> take advantage of it. It's it's simple. Go and win that game before you go out on the road. 
uh, for three against the Avalanche, the Wild, and the Winnipeg Jets, and and just do some damage at home and keep padding the home record stat uh, between you and the Sixers. We need we we need this agenda to continue. <laughs> that it's part of our it. brand. Um, other than that, make sure you check out our Design Tree storefront. Bunch of new stuff is going to be on the way. Uh, we will announce the winner of our Sixers Raptors ticket giveaway tonight. So make sure you are following us on Twitter at Underground PHI and following our friends at Process Potables to be entered in the the giveaway. Uh, we'll announce that later tonight, potentially before tip off against the Cavs or after the game, uh, depending on what's going on here at the studio and everything but uh make sure you're following us on twitter for all that good stuff and then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast leave those five star ratings and reviews you can also follow us on spotify google play soundcloud stitcher the iHeartRadio app the TuneIn app and radio.com we will be back for you guys on wednesday hopefully talking about some more flyers wins big sixers win against the raptors and hopefully the Eagles winning for the first time in over a month and maybe some more Phillies rumors and updates uh, on the free agent front. But as always, show brought to you by Maine Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt, Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Violent. Also, quick shout out, happy belated birthday to Zainab, the queen of the hive and, uh, Make sure you guys are following her. We got a lot of stuff in the works uh, coming up with the Mike Scott Hive, so uh, follow them on Twitter as well. And uh, we will catch you guys on Wednesday. So for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Go Birds. Let's do the thing. Peace.